0: Good evening, this is Patrick Donahue. Appreciate you listening to Bible Crossfire every week at this same time. We want you to feel free to call in, ask your Bible question, make your Bible comment. This can be a two-way learning street. If we're teaching something that's false, you're going to be our best friend for correcting us. That's the way we look at it, because only the truth will set us free from sin. John 8:32. John eight thirty one, Jesus said, basically, you're only a disciple, a true disciple, if you continue in his word. So we're intent on continuing in Jesus' word, not what men think, but what Jesus says, and trying to get others to do the same. Tim from Iowa, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please.
1: Yeah, I was wondering, uh, can, the Bible says, don't be a partaker of other men's sins. Can you be a partaker of other men's sins, If you're not doing what they're doing, it's wrong, but you help them to do it.
0: Oh, yeah. You know, we might take that expression, partaking of other people's sins, from 1 Timothy 5, verse 22, picking up in the middle of context, it says, Neither be partaker of other men's sins. Keep thyself pure. We see the same principle in 2 John, verses 9-11, through Tim. It says we're supposed to abide in the teaching of Christ, but supposing we are, but somebody else is not abiding in the teaching of Christ, we're not to bid them Godspeed. We're not to help them sin or encourage them in their sin, because we become a partaker in their evil deeds. Let me give you a classic example, Tim, that I use all the time. You're, you're new in the town. You you buy your house, and the closest church is a gay church. You're, you're not even tempted by that sin, are you, Tim? No. Homosexuality, no. but you're thinking about it. it's only two minutes away. I think I might want to go there and go to church to this gay church because it's only okay. two minutes away. Would you worship there, Tim, or would you maybe drive a little bit further to find a church that's faithfully following God's word? You drive farther. What would you do, Tim?
1: You drive farther to the right church.
0: Yeah, because if you worship with that church, even though you're not even thinking about committing that sin. By becoming a member there, I'm not just talking about visiting there, but by becoming a member there, you would in effect be telling them that their lifestyle is okay, you would become a partaker yeah. in the evil deeds. And that would violate the passage we read in first Timothy five and this one in second John verses ten through eleven, wouldn't it, Tim?
1: And you would be uh, if you were a preacher and you're were, you were helping someone to do uh, like a I know a preacher he rents his rooms to people that aren't married. He's not he's not doing what they're fornication. But he's helping them to do it, so he would be a stumbling block, too, wouldn't he?
0: How is he helping them, and what, what's he doing to help them?
1: He he rinses his uh, rooms, he rinses out to, to guys and their girlfriends who are not married. He knows they're not married. So so he's, he's a partaker of the sin by helping them to do it, is that right? And he is a stumbling block, too.
0: Yeah. I agree with you, Tim, because- but we probably wouldn't want to use this program to try to get at one person, one particular person. You know what I'm saying? No, I know. There's another we're trying there's a pre- bunch of... Uh, I was just trying to get. Yeah, you we're trying to preach too. to thousands of people here, not not just preach at one person, but we want to no. talk to that person, probably, uh, one-on-one. But I, I agree with you. We shouldn't... I know, uh, and I'll extend what you're saying, the preachers that will marry folks who have already been married before. But Jesus said, yeah. Tim, and you're probably familiar with Matthew 19:9. 9, whosoever shall put away his wife... Except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. And whoso marrieth her which is put away, doth commit adultery. So here you have two people. They've been married before, and they they didn't divorce their previous spouse for fornication. So they have no right to marry each other. But the preacher, and he knows that, he just goes ahead and marries marries them. Now the preacher himself is not involved. He's not committing adultery himself as long as he's faithful to his wife. But he's helping these others commit adultery by performing the wedding ceremony, and really, the people who attend the the marriage, they're in effect by attending the marriage. That's what the custom or tradition is. You attend a, a wedding, you're basically saying, you're showing your approval for the wedding, and they're becoming a partaker in the evil deeds also. Not just the preacher, but the attendees. You see what I'm saying, yeah, Tim?
1: Yeah. yeah, that was my point. You can be a partaker rather than sins. Even if you're not doing what they're doing is wrong, even if you're not committing fornication, yeah. you're still a partaker of the sin by renting them a room. Helping them yeah. Think, okay, of I, I I to... Think of the classic example.
0: Think of the classic example where four men want to rob a bank, and all one of them does is drive the getaway car. The other three go into the bank with guns yeah. and rob the bank. When they catch those four men, they're going to charge all four of them with armed robbery. He didn't. He didn't hold a gun. He didn't go into the bank and rob the bank, but he helped them. By driving yeah, the getaway car. It's the same way with sin. If we help somebody else sin or encourage them in their sin, Second John, verses 9 through 11, we become a partaker in their evil deeds and we'll be held responsible. A lot of people don't even think about that, do they, Tim?
1: No. I mean, like I said, you would be a stumbling block, too, right? Because because somebody, if a preacher rents these people their rooms, they're going to think, well, a preacher's renting us a room, so it must not be that bad. You know what I'm saying? You
0: could be a stumbling yeah. block to them, too. I I guess so, Tim. Appreciate your call, Tim. Okay, thanks. All right, bye. The lines are wide open. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call, 877-655-6755. I thought while we were in between our calls tonight, we would talk about the Sabbath. The Sabbath was the command in the Old Testament, one of the Ten Commandments, to not work on the seventh day of the week. There's a little confusion. Sometimes people will say Sunday's the Christian Sabbath. The Bible never teaches that. That's man-made. The Sabbath was always the seventh day of the week. In the Old Testament law, they weren't to work at all on the Sabbath. Is that law still binding? Well, let's look at some passages that would help us determine if the Sabbath law is still binding today, that Old Testament law. First of all, I want to read Hebrews chapter 7, verse 12. It says, for the priesthood being changed, there's made of necessity a change also of the law. Now, if we were to look at the full context of this text, what the writer is doing is he's saying, look, Jesus is our priest. Not only that, our high priest. But he couldn't be a priest according to the Old Testament law because he was not of the tribe of Levi. He was not a descendant of Levi. He was a descendant of the tribe of of Judah. And only a priest had to be a descendant of Levi. So he couldn't be a priest if the Old Testament law was still binding. And then the writer said, look, so that means the priesthood must have changed, and if the priesthood changed, there's made of necessity a change also of the law. He's arguing from this standpoint, if one part of the old law is changed, then the whole thing must have changed. Like, for example, when we change the oil in our car, we drain the four quarts of old dirty oil, and we put in new clean oil. We don't mix in some of that old oil with the new to try to save a little money. We don't do that at all. When we change the oil, we completely replace the Old Testament, the the old oil with the new oil. And likewise, this verse says there's been a change of the law, Hebrews 7-12. That would mean that we completely replace the old law with the new law. And the Sabbath law was part of that Old Testament law. And if we completely replace it, that would mean that the Sabbath law is no longer binding unless the New Testament taught that it was binding, and it does not. Glenn from Arizona, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please.
2: Okay, in reference to 1 Timothy chapter 3 and Titus, where Paul is laying out the guidelines for uh, selection of pastors, deacons, and elders, Mm -hmm. uh, it calls for a man of one wife. Is that addressing polygamy or the idea of a divorced man remarrying and that be having two
0: wives? Okay, that's a good question. You know, I think it addresses polygamy. It would mean a man who's a polygamist, could not be a bishop, a pastor, or elder. But also it would mean a single man, a man who's never been married. Because a man who's never been married not only is not the husband of one wife, but he's also, he cannot have faithful children, as Titus 1 requires of him. Now, on so far as the divorce and remarried, if a man, we, Matthew nineteen nine, we read that a while ago about a man, the only scriptural cause for divorce is for fornication. If a man divorces his wife for fornication and remarries, how many wives does he have?
2: Uh, that, that was my question. I, I would say one
0: one, that's right. so so this passage that he must be the husband of one wife, for example, in First Timothy chapter three verse two, wouldn't rule him out because he doesn't have two wives. Even uh, we have a lot of liberal laws in the United States, but even the, the laws of Alabama, even the laws of Utah don't, don't allow two wives at once. So if he divorces his wife for fornication and marries another, he only has one wife, so he could still be an elder. Does that answer your question, Glenn?
2: Uh, yes. I, I I was looking for some extra opinion on that. Is there anything in the Old Testament that would back that up or lead in a different direction as far as that being the, in the church age? Is there anything in the Old Testament that covers that?
0: I can't think of anything right off hand, Glenn. I can't think of anything. Thank you for your call, Glenn. Thank you. Have a good evening. John from Washington State. Go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please.
3: Uh, Yes, sir. So I am uh, a gentleman that was uh, in infidelity with my Christian wife, and uh, she chose to divorce me. Fortunately, it was very amicable. Um, and we have moved on in a, yeah, an amicable way. And then I was single for 10 years and met a young lady last year whose quote Christian husband who wasn't attending church for many years, drinking, and apparently he was looking at pornography over and over. And she finally wrestled with divorce for, I guess, quite a few years. And then her pastor told her you know that's what he's doing is the same as adultery and if you want to you can and she wrestled with it for a long time and felt like the lord finally released her any opportunities and then you know yeah go ahead that's it yeah so i've struggled with these scriptures
0: yeah, so I'm. Uh, we lost you just a little bit there, but uh, first of all, oh, you're sorry. wondering if you had uh, this young lady. Are you you're, you're interested in her, or are you married
3: to her? We 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 did marry. Okay, we are married. Well,
0: let me see. Make sure I got this the statement right. you in your first marriage, and uh, your first marriage to your first wife, right? And and your first wife had never been married before, right? That isn't
3: good Christ. Neither one of us were claiming to be Christians. Neither one of us knew the Lord, and that divorce happened. That divorce brought me to my knees, and I met Christ. Then okay. about eight years, yeah, eight years later, I met this Christian woman from Taiwan. We married. It lasted 15 years off and on. Uh, and she finally divorced me. So this is actually my, if you want to count marriages that way, it's the third.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, God uh, knows about all three of those marriages. And uh, you were breaking up a little bit there. So, John, I may have misheard you, but uh, you sounds like you had a first marriage. And why did that first marriage break up, the very first marriage?
3: Uh, infidelity. I was, I was
0: a DJ. I traveled all over the country. And, okay. But okay, but you my cheated wife on her. her. Yeah. Yes. You. You. And she divorced you for that reason, right? Well, that's not really the reason she divorced me. Um,
3: in my infidelity, well, I had, I had a child out of wedlock, and when I finally told her about it, that's mm-hmm. what. That yeah.
0: Okay, but your first wife—had she ever been married before? Yeah. That very first wife—had she ever been married before?
3: She had never been married before, but she'd been with a man and had an abortion.
0: Okay, so in that first marriage, it was the first marriage for both of you. She divorced you. She divorced you, and Correct. so the second part of Matthew nineteen nine, and this—and this is some translations don't have it. This in Matthew nineteen nine, but. But it's found in Matthew five thirty two and Luke sixteen eighteen. It says, Whoever marries her which is put away doth commit adultery. So since you've been put away, John, you wouldn't have a right to marry yourself. Because this says whoever marries her well let's change that pronoun over to the the male since these The vice versa does work in these passages. The same law for the man in the divorce and remarriage, just like every other law. It says, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. That would apply to a woman, too. The same law that applies to the man applies to the woman. Whoever marries her, or in this case, him which is put away, does commit adultery. So, since you've been divorced and put away, you wouldn't have a right to marry. And it doesn't sound like... The, your third wife, it doesn't sound like she had a right to marry you either because she divorced her husband because of pornography. But it is true that Jesus says in Matthew five twenty-eight that when you lust on a woman who's not your wife, that you commit adultery in your heart. But it's not actual physical adultery. Like, let me give you an example. I'm looking at 1 John chapter 3, verse 15. It says... Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. If you hate your brother, you're a murderer. But back in the Old Testament times, when somebody hated their brother, they weren't put to death. But when somebody murdered their brother, they were put to death. So even though when you hate somebody, you're committing murder in your heart, it's not actually the same offense physically, and the penalties are not the same. And it's the same way with murder and hating your brother as it is with actual physical adultery and just the adultery in the heart. Those are two different things, adultery in the heart and physical adultery. So she, if I understand the the situation correctly, she didn't have a right to divorce her first husband if all he did was look at pornography. That's a sin. But the only scriptural divorce is for fornication. If he had actually cheated on her, John. To me, it sounds like she doesn't have a right to marry you, and you didn't have a right to marry her. Now, there could be a lot more details that you're not telling me, and and be be, be uh, you might we might talk uh, uh, off the offline instead of on national radio. We might just talk one on one and talk about those things because some of it might be things you wouldn't want to reveal yeah, over uh, over the air like this. Yeah, that's yes, How I, about if I, we get in I'd touch like with, to each other, with each other? uh 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 later and we'll talk about it in more detail okay john thank you sir i appreciate your good call because it it brings up a good subject that we need to talk about and that's we everybody needs to know what jesus taught about divorce and remarriage because i've been told stats say half of the marriages in the united states end in divorce these days John, yeah, I've got your cool. number. I'll try to call you tonight just to, not to not just not to study with you tonight, but just to set up a, a time when it's sometimes it's convenient to talk, okay? I appreciate that, sir. Thank you, John. Have a good night. Good good evening. Have a good night yourself. So, if you have a Bible question or comment, on any of these subjects, any Bible subject, give us a call at 877-655-6755. 877-655-6755. We're talking about the Sabbath law. We saw from Hebrews 7.12 that the law has changed all of it. That would include the Ten Commandments and the Sabbath. So we don't have to keep the Sabbath anymore. But he did not mention the Sabbath in particular and specifically, but Colossians 2 does mention the Sabbath law specifically as being a law that's no longer binding today. Let's read that. Colossians 2, beginning in verse 14, is talking about Jesus in Colossians two fourteen, It says, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, uh, that was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. So, The Bible here is talking about some ordinances. That would be laws ordained by God. And it says that Jesus blotted them out, took them out of the way, and nailed them to the cross. So whatever ordinances those were, Old Testament laws, obviously we don't have to keep them anymore because Jesus blotted them out and nailed them to the cross. Let's keep reading. Verse 15. Having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink, or in respect of a holy day, or of the new moon, or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. So Jesus blotted out some ordinances, nailed them to the cross. Verse 16 gives us some samples or examples of these ordinances that he blotted out. The meat and the drink would be the daily observances of the Jews, the things they did every day or had to do every day. Respect of a holy day. Well, we have a word just like that, holiday. We just had our last holiday, I guess, was Labor Day. How often does Labor Day happen? Well, once a year. Their holy days, holidays, happen once a year. Passover, Pentecost. And then it says, or of the new moon. A moon, new moon, the cycle. Go full moon down to nothing, back to full moon. Last about once a month. That's the monthly. The Sabbath days, that's the weekly. So we have... He says, based upon the fact that these ordinances have been blotted out and nailed to the cross, nobody can judge you with respect to the daily, the yearly, the monthly, or the weekly Sabbath. Obviously, then, the Sabbath law is no longer binding. In Numbers 15, we had a person who was caught working on the Sabbath, picking up sticks. Evidently, he was was going to build a fire, and, and they weren't allowed to build a fire on the Sabbath, the Sabbath day of the week. God told the Israelites to stone that man. So he was, had to be judged harshly. Today, we can't judge anybody based upon keeping the Sabbath law. In other words, not working on the seventh day of the week anymore because it's no longer binding. Verse 14 says, talking about the Sabbath and its named. he says it was blotted out, taken out of the way, and nailed to the cross. So my job through the years as a software developer, I usually work Monday through Friday. But if I needed to work on Saturday, that was fine. If I wanted to cut the grass on Saturday... That was fine, because the Sabbath law is no longer binding. We don't have to keep the Sabbath anymore. You know, we see another passage that doesn't mention the Sabbath in particular, but does refer to the Ten Commandments in the same vein. And that's Romans 7, 4 through 7. By the way, if you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. Romans 7, verse 4 says, Wherefore, my brethren, you also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that we should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. So this verse says that we're dead to the law. Now, whatever law that's talking about, does it sound like we have to keep it or we don't? sounds like we don't have to keep it if we're dead to it, right? Verse 5. For when we were in the flesh, the motions of sins which were by the law did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. But now, verse 6, we are delivered from the law, that being dead wherein we were held, that we should serve in newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. So verse 6 says we're delivered from the law. Well, what law are we talking about? That's identified for us in verse 7. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, had not known lust, but by the law, for had not known Lust, except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. Well, where did the law say, Thou shalt not covet? Well, that's in Exodus 12, one of the Ten Commandments. Exodus 20, right? One of the Ten Commandments. Deuteronomy 5, one of the Ten Commandments. So, what this is saying, this passage, the law that we're dead to, verse 4, the law that we're delivered from, verse 6, included the Ten Commandment law. Because it's the law that said, Thou shalt not covet, one of the Ten Commandments. So all of the Old Testament law has been done away with, even the Ten Commandments, which was part of that law. A lot of times people say, well, Pat, if that's true, that would mean we could kill, steal, and commit adultery today. By the way, if you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call, 877-655-6755. 877-655-6755. No, the reason it's wrong to kill, steal, and commit adultery today is not because the Old Testament said it. Not because the Ten Commandments said it. It's because the New Testament said it. Remember Hebrews 7, 12? There's been a change in the law, and that would mean the Old Old Testament law was completely replaced with the New Testament law, meaning we're under the New Testament law exclusively. The reason it's wrong to kill, steal, and commit adultery today is because the New Testament law said that it's wrong. But this passage shows that not even the Ten Commandments are binding today. So, and one of the Ten Commandments that we're talking about tonight, in particular, is the Sabbath. Instead of the Sabbath, the seventh day of the week, we're to worship on the first day of the week. 1 Corinthians 16, 1 and 2 tells us to do the collection on the first day of the week. And Acts chapter 20, verse 7 says, Upon the first day of the week when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them. So we're supposed to do the Lord's Supper and have preaching on the first day of the week. Christians meet on the first day of the week, not on the Sabbath. The Sabbath, the seventh day of the week, was an Old Testament requirement. We don't have to keep the Sabbath law holy today. We've shown that. Instead, we worship on the first day of the week. Perhaps you'd like to study more about that or any other Bible topic. Be glad to do it free of charge. Give me a call. Call or text me after the program at 256 682 9753. For free Bible study, phone Bible study, call or text me 256 682 9753.